This is the Rundown. The Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the auction community studios for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Sarah Cazell. Stay just to dance for the open. Although, to be fair, Sarah, I danced to your update music, so... I didn't see that. The tables have turned because well, you were so focused on the update. Obviously, I'm not that. <laughs> he focused was dancing on my show. in his head. Yeah. Oh, cool, 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 cool. No, it was a great dance. You guys all missed it. Hope I wish we had cameras in here because it would set the internet on fire. Actually, we do have cameras in there. That I just don't think that they're live. They both seem to or turn away. Are from they? Me. Ooh, uh-huh. cool. It's like the Truman Show. Wow, the music even like got weird. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just figured something out. I wasn't supposed. That to is a fantastic out. movie. By yeah, the way. I yeah I haven't seen all of it. I mean, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten disappointment from Bear, and we are less than two minutes into the show. I know, I know what happens in the movie. I just haven't seen all of it for some reason. Uh, let's start with our top story. Week eight of the NFL season is almost done. Got Giants Buccaneers here starting in about fifteen minutes, courtesy of daylight savings. Even though it doesn't affect us here in Arizona, it affects our sports viewing. So it really does affect us here in Arizona. That'll be the final game of the weekend. The Cardinals didn't play, but they did actually move up in the standings, so we'll get to that uh, in a little bit. But uh, let's start with the fact that they are going to head into their Week 9, so their eighth game of the season, matchup with the Miami Dolphins this weekend. And we don't know that they're going to be playing without Devon Kennard and Byron Murphy, uh, but they are both on the COVID reserve lists, and they have both tweeted out confirming that they are the two Cardinals testing positive. I mean, you can sort of piece it together when they were the only two placed on the uh, on the list. So, I mean, this has been happening to uh, not every team, but it's happening to a decent chunk of the league. You know, first and foremost, you just hope Devin, uh, Devon Kennard and, and Byron Murphy are, are, you know, healthy and good to go as people. And then if you want to look at it from the football side of things, Miami's... Not a bad team. Four and three right now. They are a game and a half back of Buffalo for first in the East. They just hammered the Rams yesterday. They hammered the 49ers a couple games ago. Yesterday in particular, that was a game that I think a lot of us were keeping a close eye on because it's Tua's first start. Uh, You're going to see him now this week, obviously, if you're the Cardinals. And also, you wanted Miami to win yesterday, and they did pretty convincingly over the Rams. So it helps you out in the standings. Uh, Tua didn't look like, I mean, you know, it's his first game. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot. He didn't lose them the game. That was their defense that won them the game uh, yesterday, though. But if you're the Cardinals and, you know, it's, it's it's a different exercise when you go through the schedule at this point in the season, and you look at some of these games that you thought, like, okay, that's going to be a tough one, or that's probably a loss. I mean, now it's like it's it's completely completely flipped over, especially when we get to the 49ers news here in a second. But, like, you've got Miami coming up. That's tough, certainly. But it's Tua's second game as an NFL quarterback. And like I said, he didn't do anything amazing yesterday. He did throw a touchdown, but nothing amazing. You got Buffalo next week. Okay, Buffalo's in first place in their division. They have not looked convincing now in a couple weeks. Doesn't mean, okay, the Cardinals automatically win that game, but it looks a lot more winnable than it did a couple weeks ago. Seahawks Thursday night, anything goes. How about the Patriots game in in New England on November 29th, the Sunday after Thanksgiving? Start of the year, you're probably like, ah, it's the Patriots. They will figure out a way to be good this season. I thought they would figure out a way to be good this season. They are not good at all. 
that offense is abysmal. A lot can change, obviously, over the course of the next four weeks, but I don't see New England suddenly getting that much better. They might even be trading guys away, and the trade deadline is tomorrow. Uh, Then the Rams, the Giants, the Eagles, the 49ers, who are very beat up, and the Rams again. I mean, you know, nothing is a given one way or the other, but these final nine games of the season coming up for the Cardinals collectively look a lot more winnable now than they did even a couple weeks ago. And it's not just because the Cardinals have won their last three games. I mean, if the Cardinals had lost to the Jets and gotten blown out by Seattle, okay, well then, yeah, maybe the Jets isn't a great example. If you lose to the Jets, your fans just black out. If they had lost to Seattle badly or something, maybe you wouldn't feel as good about these. But it, it's it's not just that the Cardinals have won three in a row and they're 5-2, and two, it's... You know, Miami, again, rookie quarterback. New England doesn't look right. San Francisco's all beat up. The Eagles, I guess they're going to win the East, but they're not going to do it by winning games. There's opportunity right here ahead of the Cardinals that they really haven't had since the 2015 season, and they have earned that opportunity. But coming full circle, if they have to play this weekend without Byron Murphy or Devon Kennard, that's that's going to make things more challenging, certainly. All right, let's get into the rundown rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. All right, the Pac-12 season is almost upon us. It starts this Saturday. ASU-USC on a Saturday morning and arguably the biggest... I guess doesn't involve Oregon. Certainly the biggest game in the the Pac-12 South on the schedule. ASU and USC. We're going to be joined by Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source in about 20 minutes to kind of get a quick preview of of the ASU football season, maybe some of the other teams in the Pac-12 to look out for. I mean, it's been an odd college football season if you're a fan here locally or if you're a fan of a Pac-12 team because you're, you're, you're watching college football on Saturdays and you know, a couple games throughout the week or whatever, but your team hasn't been playing yet. So I, I don't know about everybody else, but for me, it almost hasn't felt like college football season has been real yet. And I know SEC fans will say we don't need any other conference anyway. And, you know, the Big Ten got started up this past week. I don't really care about the Big Ten other than I like to see more football being played. And uh, that made it feel a little bit more real now that we have some some schools that aren't just playing in Alabama and Louisiana and Mississippi. But uh, the Pac-12 will get going this weekend's the Big 12 now is uh, guaranteed not to have any undefeated teams. So that's uh, it's potentially they're not going to have any real. I, I mean, I guess the Big 12 could still potentially put a team in the playoff. But the door was opened when Oklahoma State lost over the weekend for potentially a team from the Pac-12. But you got to run the table because it's such a short schedule. And even then, probably going to need some help. Uh, back to the NFL. Like I said, we'll get we'll get deeper into ASU in about 20 minutes. Back to the NFL, I mentioned the Cardinals didn't play this weekend, but they did move up in the standings in the NFC West because the 49ers lost. Now, you knew either San Francisco or Seattle was going to lose because they were playing each other. It really just depends on your perspective of what the Cardinals are capable of, who you wanted to win that game. If you're just saying, I want the Cardinals to make the playoffs, then you wanted Seattle to beat San Francisco yesterday. If you're saying, screw that, I want the Cardinals to win the division, and I believe they can do it, now then you wanted San Francisco to win, and it did not happen. Jimmy Garoppolo was not good. Then Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. George Kittle also hurt. 
So the 49ers, I give them credit for hanging in there at 4-4 four and four and being a plus 35 this season despite just a ridiculous amount of injuries. Some of them to the same guys twice now. I mean, Kittle's been hurt twice. I don't know how that team's going to hang on. You know, I, I, I don't want to count them out in the sense that I think they can hang around and be respectable still this season because I do think Kyle Shanahan is that good of a coach. And I still think they have enough pieces there to maybe get to 7-9 and nine or something, maybe 6-10, and 10, but I don't know how you're going to hang on now without your quarterback, even though Garoppolo I don't think is that great. You know, without Nick Bosa, it's two or three running backs seem to get hurt every week, even when other ones come back. George Kittle, the biggest weapon on offense. Poor Brandon Ayuk, who's been amazing, gets to San Francisco the year after they win the Super Bowl, and he's like the only guy left on offense halfway through the year. He has been fun, though. But uh, So the 49ers are 4-4. Four four. The Rams drop. They're 5-3. and three. The Cardinals 5-2, and two, and the Seahawks 6-1. And and, uh, later on in the show, we'll take a look at what the playoff picture looks like in the NFL at the midway point of the season. And that's uh, assuming the third story tonight doesn't come true. But there is at least talk that the NFL is looking at the possibility of a 16-team playoff. ESPN reporting that the uh, competition committee is going to present a resolution to owners that would include a 16-team playoff scenario in the event games are lost because of the uh, the pandemic. You know, if, if so far we haven't had anything too damaging to the schedule. We've had to move a lot of stuff around when Tennessee, when they you know had to miss the game with Pittsburgh and then reschedule or whatever, but now we're starting to get to the point where teams have had bye weeks. And so if something, you know, if it affects a team the way it affected Tennessee and they have to reschedule so-and-so's game, I don't want to throw a specific team out there, but and they've already had a bye week, then what are you going to do? Uh, for me, I would just have an 18th week to the season where you could play out some of those games. I don't really love the idea of expanding playoffs in the middle of the season. I get that this is a very unique and messed up year, but even baseball knew that they were going to have all the extra playoff teams going into the season. I don't like it. I mean, you know, if you're going to tell me eight teams from each conference are going to make the playoffs, I think Arizona's, assuming they stay relatively healthy, almost a lock at that point. I think they're going to make it with only seven teams anyway. I don't want to see it expanded to an eighth seed. I really don't. Um, and I don't think the league does either. That's just sort of a contingency plan they are looking at having in place. Alright, when we come back, the Cardinals they got at least one look now at the uh, the quarterback they'll be facing on Sunday. We all did. What'd you see from Tua? That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. This is The Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It is officially Tua time in Miami. The Dolphins are 1-0 with Tua as their quarterback. Hammered the Rams yesterday, 28-17. For a good chunk of the game, it was 28-7. Dolphins, but a lot of that was their defense. Tua, and I'm not trying to bash on him, it was his first NFL game. 12 of 22, 93 yards and a touchdown. No interceptions, no turnovers. I get, no, actually he did fumble, but no interceptions. Um, you know, you only can take so much from that. And, and I guess the, the challenge the Cardinals are going to face here now, taking on the Dolphins, is you are 
going up against a relative unknown at quarterback who's also left-handed, which can kind of take a little bit of time to get used to, both for his own receivers, uh, but also for a defense. And then also on the other side of the football, the Dolphins' defense has been pretty legit here over the last few weeks. They are a major reason why uh, why Miami is in the, the race for the AFC East title. This is Corey Peters talking today, Arizona Cardinals' Corey Peters, talking about the game plan when you're facing a rookie quarterback like Tua. I don't think you really do anything different. Um, you know, obviously with somebody who lacks experience, you always want to uh, put him in situations where he's uncomfortable. I'm sure their whole game plan is going to be um, figuring out what he does well and where he's comfortable and trying to get him in as many of those opportunities as possible. So uh, from a defensive standpoint, you know, we got to try our best to pressure him, move him off the spot, um, change up some looks, try to be, uh, try to deceive him post-snap, and hopefully we can uh, encourage him to make some mistakes. Yeah, a little bit more here from Corey Peters on playing on a team with a rookie quarterback. He would know. I'm a firmer believer that, you know, I think the expression is, if a dog will bite, he's going to bite as a puppy. Um, and I think that's, you know, true for quarterbacks as well. Obviously, they will struggle in certain instances. But as far as meat and potatoes, I think when you put a quarterback out there, you'll see um, what he has. Um, it may not look the best, but you'll be able to to see where he, you know, made nothing from something or, you know, made the best out of a bad situation. So um, for me, I think it's just about the quarterback himself, how he carries himself how he operates in the huddle, um, does he demand the respect of his teammates, um, you know, those sorts of things, his competitive spirit. Um, when things go go bad, does he tuck tail and run? Does he fight back? Um, and I think those are, are more of the qualities that you look for. Obviously, with the young quarterback, there, there are going to be mistakes. Yeah, you know, I, there's a lot that Corey Peters just said right there that is it's just so true. I mean, look at guys like like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert already. They've only played a few games in the NFL after an offseason where they, they couldn't have normal preparation and they didn't even have a preseason. And those are quarterbacks, and they've already stepped in and are making a huge difference. Now, we may get four or five years down the line and look back and say, well, yeah, but that's because Joe Burrow is you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the league in a few years, and Justin Herbert maybe isn't too far behind. So maybe they are extreme cases, but the general thinking there that, that Corey Peters just put out there uh, makes a lot of sense. If, if Tua is going to be the quarterback the Dolphins think he's ultimately going to be, well, then he's dangerous on Sunday. He's not going to be that guy. Like, Tua should be a much better quarterback in two years, don't get me wrong. This is only his second NFL start. But if he's as special as they believe he is, and as special as he was at Alabama, he's not really ever going to be bad. That's just not the way it works anymore in the NFL when when rookies get thrown right in there as quarterbacks. Uh, and the other thing, too, you know, I, I can't imagine that he would have a short leash. I think when you when you make that switch as the Dolphins, you're doing it permanently unless, you know, Tua got hurt and you had to go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick. But there's certainly a scenario where you know, the Dolphins are 4-3 and three right now. They are absolutely in the playoff race in the AFC. I mean, if Tua's out there just playing terribly, if you can get to him as the Cardinals on Sunday, and yet the game is still close or something, I mean, does Miami look? Are they looking and saying, wait, we're in the playoff race, though, or are they just completely committed to Tua? If it's me, I think they're just completely committed to Tua, because the other thing you have to remember is they have a bunch of Houston's picks. Like, it's it's not just the Cardinals that Bill O'Brien gave all of the Texans' assets to. He also gave a bunch of picks to Miami on his way out the door also. So 
The Dolphins, not that they would draft another quarterback next year. <laughs> a team would be crazy to do that, right? Quarterbacks in the first round two consecutive years. When has that yeah, when, when, yeah. <laughs> When's the last time that happened? I can't even. It's got to be at least 16 months. Um, but they, I think they just want to know what they have in their quarterback now so they know what they need to do at other positions in this draft that's coming up because Brian Flores sure seems like he's a pretty good coach. And... They have built up a pretty solid team relatively quickly. The start of last year, they looked like a team that was going to be 0-16. Like they were horrible at the start of last year. Now, all of a sudden, they are a legitimate contender in that division and considerably ahead of the New England Patriots uh, in that division. Well, a crazy day around the NFL, which is to be expected. Mention the 49ers injuries. Bear, I know you had George Kittle in the fantasy league. I, uh, Larry Gatos of the Gatos and Chad show absolutely had George Kittle in the fantasy league. He uh, he was he was heartbroken walking through the newsroom earlier. I don't have players as good as George Kittle on my team, so it doesn't really matter. But okay, Mister, I had Patrick Mahomes get 50 points yesterday. Well, that's, that's, that's different. We're not talking about that. He was playing the Jets, so I think all the points get fractionalized or something. Uh, that's a huge blow to the 49ers, obviously, more so than Jimmy Garoppolo. But they're going to be playing without their quarterback and their tight end for the foreseeable future. The San Francisco Chronicle was even speculating maybe for the season. Um, and, and things are just, things are, are going to slip away from the 49ers here. They kind of already are. And, and they've, they've done a remarkable job just to get to 4-4. Four and four. If they were in the NFC East, they'd be in first place at 4-4. Four and four, But they're not. They're in the hardest division in football. And they don't have any players left. I mean, I don't know what more you can do if you're the 49ers. You look at some of the other games, though, that, that went down yesterday. I, how much of that Cowboys-Eagles game did you watch last night? Uh, I I watched the whole first half because I was at a friend's house. And then I left. And I didn't. And when I got home, I didn't turn the game back on. I, I couldn't. I just I couldn't. I watched all the morning games on, uh, on Red Zone. And, and we were keeping like special uh, track of that Rams game. And I watched some of the afternoon games, but I, I probably if the game was better, I probably would have stayed at my friend's house yeah. until that game was over. <laughs> but it was so bad, I'm like, I'd rather drive home. <laughs> it was so bad, we're not even friends anymore. Which you know, it was a bad enough game. The thing is, that division is like we've seen divisions in the past where all the teams aren't good and their records are bad. But there's still, you know, there's one team that has a really good offense, but just terrible defense. And another team can't score, but, you know, the defense is okay. But they don't add up to wins outside the division. Sort of like what Dallas was before Dak got hurt. They would score 38 points, but they'd give up 40. But now it's Ben DiNucci. And it's not just, okay, I'm going to be watching bad football. I'm going to be watching bad, boring football. How does the NFL not have a plan in place? I was talking with a friend of mine yesterday where they can flex out some of... I understand you can't do it on Monday night because teams have, have, have built up their schedule of preparation for the week, but how is that Sunday night game not flexible? Nobody wanted to watch Eagles-Cowboys yesterday. I, I heard somewhere, or I read it on Twitter, that they're not allowed to flex Sunday night games in consecutive weeks, but... I think they could have made an exception for that one. Plus, they, the explanation for flexing the Cardinals into Sunday night was not for entertainment purposes. Yeah. According to the league, it was because of COVID. 
I, there's there's got to be a way where either you can make special exceptions this season since there's already so many special exceptions, or how about just you're the NFL and you make your own rules. And I'm sure there's a way to go to your TV partners and say, like, look, we'll make it up to you. We don't want to show trash on Sunday night. Because last night they showed us trash on Sunday night. Could you get a more opposite Sunday night football game last night from the week before when it was Cardinal Seahawks? Do you think it's literally because the Cowboys were playing? I kind of do. I, no matter who's starting at quarterback, yeah, it's I'm, the Cowboys. I'm sure at the start of the season they looked and said this will be for first place, which I guess technically they were right uh, in the division. But I, the NFL to me is not a sport where it's like, oh, the team from Dallas, or like tonight, oh, the team from New York's playing. We got to watch, and everybody in New York's going to watch. People watch football for their team, yes, but also for the fantasy football implications. And I'm sure there are people that, that might even wager money on football. I don't know. It doesn't matter what the market is. People want to watch a good game. On Sunday night, you've been watching football all day. Your family's probably like, hey, you've been watching football for the last six hours. Maybe you can maybe you can take a break. If you're, if you're sitting down, you're like, well, I can't take a break. Now it's Seahawks Cardinals, Kyler Murray, and Russell Wilson. I can't miss that. Last night, what's your excuse? I got to watch Ben DiNucci throw the ball into the ground and then I, I love how Ben DiNucci be there was there were those couple plays where he was like sidearming it and I'm yeah. like does this guy think he's Mahomes like what's going on here sidearming it though to nobody right, right through a crowd of right. people and right out the other side of that crowd so yeah that game was horrible the Patriots lost again they do not look good the Steelers are somehow undefeated and I watched a good chunk of that game and it felt like they lost and yet they won again and they just keep losing defensive players and their defense keeps getting better somehow it feels like so yeah, it was a wild week eight. I mean, it's the NFL. Most weeks are, are crazy. The Green Bay, I don't know what to make of Green Bay. They probably at some point in Aaron Rodgers' career should get him a second receiver he can throw to that can catch. But hey, maybe don't draft a quarterback in the first round. <laughs> if you are a Super Bowl contender, maybe don't draft your backup quarterback when you could be drafting. I don't even want to. I'm sure they've been looking at this in Green Bay. How many Justin receivers were out Jeffers. there? Oh, I, he might have been taken before by the Vikings. I don't know, but uh, was Ayuk still? Maybe Ayuk. I have to Ayuk. I think might have still been out there. Yeah, I don't. Oh. Eh, that was towards the. I don't know. Either way, there was a receiver out there. That's you know how much I have. like looking up past drafts. I'll look. Yeah. Okay. That'll be during the break. When we come back, though, we are going to talk some ASU and Pac-12 football with Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source. That's next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Oh yeah, college football starting up, well, Pac-12 college football, I guess it started up everywhere else, but starting up here in the Valley and along the West Coast this weekend, ASU starting off with USC, quite the test. And to get you all caught up on ASU now as the season's about to begin, we are joined now by Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source. Joining us on the Coulter Automo- uh, Automotive Group Sports Line. I don't know what I'm Chris, how are you doing tonight? Luke, I'm doing great. Football season, let's go. Yeah, this is uh, the depth chart is out. This is exciting, I think, for ASU and their fans. you got to be especially excited that you're getting some sort of football this season so you don't just burn through a year of Jaden Daniels. So uh, let's start there. What are you expecting from the quarterback this season? I think he's going to be one of the best uh, sophomore quarterbacks in the country, maybe one of the best overall quarterbacks in the country. The only thing that's going to limit Jaden Daniels is uh, whether or not he has all the pieces around him to enable that. Uh, When you lose uh, four of maybe your top six offensive linemen from last season, 
plus Brandon Ayuk and Kyle Williams, our receiver, and, you know, Benjamin, a running back, Tommy Hudson, at tight end. There's a lot of new players who are going to have to step up. Many of them are probably going to be uh, inexperienced or, or even freshmen. And I think there's talented guys among them. Uh, but how that actually works, especially when you have such a huge opponent like USC right out of the gate, is going to tell us a lot. Yeah, let's uh, let's look at that game, and we don't need to get too in depth on the matchup, I guess specifically. But you're looking at Jaden Daniels on one side and Keaton Slovis on the other, and I know this is a crazy year. We don't maybe know quite as much what to expect this year as in years past, because I guess anything could could happen. But on paper, this is ASU's biggest challenge, and it's right out of the gate. I mean, do you feel like they're prepared for that? So I actually think that they should be more prepared than a typical season, and that is because. Usually from the end of spring ball all the way through the start of preseason camp and around the 1st of August, coaches are not able to spend any time uh, actually on the field, skill development, coaching, work. But this year, they were able to spend more than 100 hours on the field in the months of July, August, and September. Uh, So they were basically going over all of their installs three, four, five, six or more times. They were uh, basically running everything at probably 80% tempo that they do within their schemes. And they were also uh, spending a lot of that time, no doubt, uh, game planning and going against uh, essentially a scout team look from what they think they're going to see from USC on both sides. So from a uh, assignment soundness and execution uh, and a fluency of their own schemes standpoint, I think ASU actually should be a lot further on than uh, than most teams with new offenses and defenses. Now, if you know that's still an adjustment, so it's not the same as if they w- were returning the same schemes and the same players. Uh, so I don't expect it to be like uh, as great from a fluency standpoint as that would be. But I do think that it's an advantage for ASU, and especially when compared to USC, which actually wasn't able to be doing a lot of that stuff in the same months due to the cohorting restrictions in L.A. Yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, Eno Benjamin, obviously now off in the NFL with the Cardinals. Uh, the running back situation we have seen, Herm, and, and Herm will tell you this over and over again, he, he, likes to, he likes to feed the running game. But they got three guys right now on that depth chart, and they're all highly touted in their own different ways. How do you see the running back position breaking down this season? Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot more by committee. Uh, Rashad White is a junior college addition. At one point, he had been committed to UCLA. ASU picked him up late. He reminds me a little bit of Marion Grice, a graceful, smooth, uh, uh, statuesque type of a running back. Slaloms his way uh, between the tackles. He's also probably going to be ASU's kickoff returner, so that gives you a sense of his athletic type. And then uh, DeMonte Trainum is uh, he was a, basically the best running back out of Ohio, offers from Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, somehow ended up at ASU, and he's a 230-pound back. And actually, Herm, um, in his weekly hit with you guys, uh, uh, he said that, that he's going to hurt somebody. That was a quote. So I think those, those two guys are more of your sort of traditional running backs between the tackles, and then Daniel Nagata is more of a space athlete. He's a little bit like an Eno Benjamin, uh, but maybe um, even uh, a little bit more uh, uh, electric, actually. You know, maybe he doesn't have some of the, the, the same attributes that Benjamin had, 
uh, with just his feel and vision on the interior, but you get him the ball uh, on the perimeter, and he's going to make a bunch of guys miss. Yeah, Trainum's the one I've been excited to see, but I mean, it, it does sound like they have a couple other pretty solid weapons there as well. Talking to Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source, Chris, you sort of mentioned a little bit earlier, I mean, now you've got a new offensive coordinator and you've got two new co-coordinators on defense, specifically with the offense and Zach Hill. How different do you expect that offense to look? Is the tight end going to be a a different position now? Much different, yes. Um, Much more of a pro-style, modernized, uh, with some spread elements, a lot more 12 personnel or two, two tight end sets, a lot more motions and shifts, things that are designed to get the defenses miscommunicating and get their eyes looking in the wrong places so they have some coverage busts. Um, I think it's going to be one that ASU fans really enjoy watching from a creativity standpoint. They have a variable tempo so they can slow you down grind you out or they can pick up the pace and really get going downhill when defenses are are struggling to figure out what you're doing. It's also really built around Jane Daniels. So you'll see some bootlegs, some option type stuff, getting him to where he has the option to run or pass at multiple levels of, of receivers. And um, I definitely over time, we'll see a lot more targets to the tight end position as well. On the defensive side of the ball, even all the last season, I was looking towards this season, figuring, you know, you get guys like Merlin Robertson really matured and Ashari Crosswell, and, and you know, obviously with Jaden Daniels now entering his, his sophomore year, the offense would be better in some regards. But you are making a switch now, no Danny Gonzalez, and it's not like it's to a couple guys that haven't been around the program. Marvin Lewis and Antonio Pierce have been here, but are you concerned at all about the defense, or do you think this is going to be towards the top of the, uh, of the conference? Well, it probably should be toward the top of the conference because um, they have run-stopping interior defensive linemen. They have good linebackers against the run, and they have a secondary that athletically can hang with pretty much everybody and shouldn't have too many uh, glaring breakdowns. Those are the key things. And we know also that with Marvin Lewis, they're going to be extremely well-schemed and they're going to have a great game plan on a week-to-week basis with experienced players who should be able to execute that. Now, they are not without flaws. Their defensive end position in particular is a uh, potential weakness. Uh, Their pass rush from the edges, getting to the quarterback with four, especially working against offensive tackles, I think is very much of a question mark. Uh, Amiri Johnson has a chance to step up, but uh, he hasn't been practicing recently due to a soft tissue uh, injury, not sure on his status for USC, but he was listed as third on the depth chart, which I don't think would be the case if he was likely to play in that game. And then Tyler Johnson, who moved from linebacker to defensive end, probably should be a starter if he's fully engaged and doing what he should do from a just a how dynamic that he is. He's one of the better uh, natural athletes on the roster, but Michael Matus is listed ahead of him at defensive end. And that, to me, is a sign that is, is not positive for ASU. So we got to see, are they going to be able to get to and impact the quarterback, or are they going to put a lot more pressure on their secondary, especially against uh, great receivers and a great quarterback like USC have? 
Talking to Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source. Uh, Chris, I want to jump back to the offense here real quick before we let you go. It's a good problem to have as a program that you are putting a receiver in the first round of the NFL draft each year. But, you know, going into week one of the season, they're going to have to find a way to, you're not going to replace Brandon Ayuk, but to at least absorb some of that loss. Frank Darby is is so far ahead of everybody else in this receiving core right now in terms of experience and production at the college level. Who are some other guys that you are looking towards maybe stepping up this season? Yeah, so casual fans are going to want to get to know two names. LV Bunkley Shelton is a slot receiver well beyond his years as a new freshman, was a four-star recruit at Southern California, played with Jaden Daniels in seven-on-seven ball. I think he has a chance to maybe even challenge Frank Darby mm-hmm. for the team number of catches, depending upon uh, how many snaps that he gets uh, on a game-to-game basis. And then the other is Johnny Wilson, who is a freak of nature, uh, uh, to put it mildly. He is six foot seven, 220 pounds. He runs a 4-5, 40-yard dash. There are, in any given recruiting class, there may be only one or two guys who look and like this type of a guy in terms of the size, length, speed, athletic capability. He's a hybrid type of a weapon. I think he's sort of like a Darren Waller with the Raiders. Um, He's going to be a red zone nightmare, and he's going to be somebody who can rip the seam. He's going to be a mismatch problem, faster than linebackers, way bigger than defensive backs. So those two guys, in addition to Frank Darby, and then Ricky Pearsall, a local guy, out of uh, as Tempe Corona del Sol is a do everything guy who can move around and play all the positions and very reliable. I think he's going to be a solid player as well. Yeah, I'm waiting to see Bunkley Shelton for a while because I remember you telling us about him on this show right after uh, right after he committed to ASU. So should be a fun season, Chris. I'd love to have you on again a few times throughout the season if we can make that work. Uh, certainly on our end, we would do it. Uh, thanks so much for the time. Enjoy enjoy Pac-12 football finally. That would be my pleasure. I'm, I'm going to be there. I'll let you know how it goes. And anytime you want me, I'm, I'm here for you. Sounds good. All right. Then we will hear from Chris Cartman again in the future. Thanks a lot, Chris. That is Chris Cartman joining us on the Coulter Automotive Group Sportsline. Coulter Cadillac Tempe. Experience the difference. Visit ColterCadillacTempe.com. Yeah, this is the season. If you, if you listened to this show uh, last year, this, the 2020 ASU season is the one I have been waiting for, although now it's much different, so who knows. But, uh, you know, my, my logic, even when they were having success at the start of last year, was get another year into Jaden Daniels' career, get that defense that much more mature. And, I mean, you've got, what, Chase Lucas is now a senior. You've got Ashari Crosswell, who's played a little bit now, and Merlin Robertson. And you, you've got yourself, you've got, they've built up a lot of talent on that defense. I mean, Jack Jones, Evan Fields, there's, there's some talent on that defensive side of the ball and when you have a quarterback like Jaden Daniels, which if he hits his peak, we really haven't seen a quarterback like that here in a while, this could be a real dangerous football team. Obviously, the flip side is you lost Eno Benjamin and you lost Brandon Ayuk, and so you're going to take a step back in those those uh, those two areas. It, at least you would think so uh, on paper, if uh, if for no other reason than you're just you're working new guys in. I mean, maybe Trainum and, and Rashad White end up being between the two of them, as productive as Eno was last year. But it, it might take a little bit of time. So uh, I go back and forth from an ASU perspective if it's good to play USC in week one or if it's good to play them you know, in week five or something. I guess it doesn't really matter because you're playing them in week one and it's going to be two of the best sophomore quarterbacks, maybe the two best, or two of the best sophomore quarterbacks in the country going at it with Jaden Daniels going up against Keaton Slovis this Saturday. And that game starts at 9 a.m. Arizona time. So wake up. 
for that. Is it 10 Arizona time? Okay, well, 10 a.m. Arizona time. This daylight saving thing is dumb. Well, yeah, see, that's why I thought, because I thought it was 10 California. Okay, yeah, you're right. 9 California, 10 Arizona. I'm going to end up missing a quarter of football after all this. Thanks, daylight savings. All right, we'll come back, and we'll get back into the uh, NFL. We're going to look at the playoff picture right now. I know it's it's not the end of the season, but it is basically the midway point. Let's just let's take a look at who the Cardinals and some of these other teams would be playing if the playoffs started this weekend. That is next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. You know, it occurs to me, now that we've already had our Pac-12 fantasy draft over the weekend, I should have done that interview with Chris Cartman before the Pac-12 fantasy draft. How did that go for you, do you uh, think? I think it went okay, but I did. I don't typically end up with a lot of ASU players because the other people in the league all went to ASU too, and uh, so the ASU players tend to go very, very early. Somehow I ended up with two ASU running backs and the ASU defense this year. Although not, not Jaden Daniels, huh? No, Jaden went first. He went first overall. He, he did go first. Overall. Wow, that's that may may not be a that's, bad pick. Yeah, but uh, I just yeah. never think of quarterbacks first in the first round anymore. Yeah, it's. I mean, when you're just playing within a 12 team conference, and the other thing I would say about this year for all those other Pac-12 fantasy enthusiasts, a lot of teams don't even know who their starting quarterbacks are in the Pac-12 right now. So there's some value to taking a quarterback. Uh, number one, but yeah, I have two ASU running backs, so I should have talked to Chris Cartman before we did the interview. All right, to the NFL, and I'm going to operate as if, uh, or before we did the draft, um, I'm going to operate as if the playoffs are going to stay like the same format that they are right now, where seven teams from each conference are going to make it. I know that idea has been floated out there that we might go to a 16-team playoff if we start to have games, regular season games, canceled because of COVID here towards the, uh, I don't even know why going to a 16-team playoff would would solve that. Um, But I'm going to operate as if it's seven teams from each conference. So if that were the case, figured it would just be kind of fun to take a look and see where we are at at essentially the halfway point. Because we're not going to do this show at halftime of the games this weekend in the middle of week nine. So this is as close to the halfway point as we are getting. Uh, In the AFC, the Steelers would be your one seed. Now remember, because it is a different format this year, and this is permanent going to seven teams. It matters if you get that number one seed because you get a first-round buy. Number two seed doesn't get a first-round buy anymore. So Pittsburgh right now is the number one seed. The Chiefs are two. They'd play Cleveland. It'd be an entertaining first-round matchup for Chiefs fans. Uh, Bills-Colts, that would be the 3-6. Titans-Ravens would be the 4-5. I feel like we've seen that before. And uh, I feel like we saw the Baltimore couldn't rally with Derrick Henry on the other side of the field. You, you and I were talking about this earlier, Barrett. I don't trust Baltimore to go that far in the playoffs. I really don't. It's because of Lamar Jackson. I, I don't know if it's because... For of, me, it is. I don't know if it's because of him or because they just don't have a lot of receivers. But I, it's what we saw last year against Tennessee. If they are down by 14 at halftime, I think they're just done. Yeah, and then Lamar Lamar Jackson wasn't even looking Marquise Hollywood Brown's way. Did you see what he tweeted after the game? Yeah. yeah. He's not happy. I mean... I don't know. Baltimore, I don't know. Like we were talking about, I think you you said something like this. Lamar Jackson is not the quarterback that brings you back to he, win. He, he, he just, can't he can't complete a comeback. If you're down 7 to nothing in the first quarter, then sure. fine. that's fine. But in the fourth quarter like yesterday. Yeah. I mean, he 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 did bring them back a, a bit, but he had two really bad turnovers. I just can't 
I can't figure out if it's the way Baltimore is built, although they were built, their offense was built around Lamar Jackson. I'm, I'm not trying to knock Lamar Jackson, but I'm just saying there's a lot of other quarterbacks that are going to be in these playoffs that if they're down at halftime, it's not like, well, that's it. You know, <laughs> that was an eye opener last year watching Baltimore play against Tennessee and not be able to pass in the second half when the other team knew they had to pass. And then to see Patrick Mahomes bring the Chiefs back from down like a thousand in the first half against Houston the next day. Um, and I and I get that Patrick Mahomes is the extreme, but you get into a playoff situation and one team is it your team is trailing by thirteen in the third quarter. I feel a lot better if you are Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs trying to come back, or if you're Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers trying to come back, or if you're Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, or Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, or Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, or Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Like, there's all these other teams that I feel like are able to come back, whereas Baltimore, they're a very good team. They are coached very well, and I do think Lamar Jackson's a very good quarterback, but it just feels like they are built to get a lead on you and just kind of hold a lead which is a skill that you need to have, but you've got to be able to come back, too. And I, I just I haven't seen it. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. But uh, the bigger story over in the NFC, right now Seattle would have the first round by. Green Bay is the two. They'd play the Rams. The Saints are the three. They'd play the Buccaneers. Uh, this could change a little bit, although not really all that much um, if the Buccaneers win tonight. By the way, they're losing to the Giants, 7-3. to three. But the one that matters to you, the Cardinals as the five seed would be playing the Eagles right now. Oh yes, <laughs> I don't let's, care. Where let's they have play that, that happen. Seriously, can we please have that happen? So, but this is what this highlights. There was a reason for why I'm doing this in the middle of uh, early November. It's important for the Cardinals. Look, I know you're just trying to make the playoffs first and foremost. If you can't catch the Seahawks for first, though, it's very important to be that top wild card because the top wild card is going to play whoever wins the NFC East. So if you don't win the division, the highest you can be is, is the five seed. But the five seed in the NFC this year, that's huge because you're playing Philadelphia or the Giants or the Cowboys or the football team. So there's a, there's a big difference, obviously, being the number one seed just in either conference because that's the only buy now. But specifically in the NFC and very specifically to the Cardinals because that's where they are right now. You want to be that top wild card if you don't win the division because the top wild card plays <laughs> a very bad football team and a team that shouldn't be in the playoffs, whether it's Philadelphia or Dallas or the Giants or Washington. Would you? you, you <laughs> this is kind of I've never thought I'd say this. Would you rather than the Cardinals? Oh man, lose to Seattle on Thursday Night no. Football to keep. No. To be able to play the NFC well, no, East? No, because if you win the division, you probably don't even have to play in the first round, which is like That's playing true, the team from I the guess. NFC East. Um, in the NFC West, yeah. Yeah. The uh, I don't know. I just really want them to play the Eagles or the Cowboys. I, yeah, well, That'd be really fun. Well, what that means is you want Tampa Bay to lose to the Giants tonight. If oh, you are well, a Cardinals good luck fan. there. And uh, I believe the Giants are winning right now. It, it's seven to three. They've stopped showing the score. They're just showing the game. They're and, showing the heads of the commentator yeah. and broadcaster. Yeah, so that's fun. It's seven, seven to three. three. Seven three Giants started the second quarter there. Uh, we were going to get into this. I'll just jump into it briefly right now. Kenyon Drake. Um, 
it sounded like Cliff Kingsbury may be a little more optimistic than you would have expected. This is what he had to say today. He's day-to-day. I know it looked more severe probably than um, it's going to end up being, hopefully. Um, he's really made good progress, but I'm not sure if it'll be enough to, to get him back this week. But um, we feel like from where we started to where we are now, we, we've been very fortunate. Well, yeah, when he got hurt, Originally, on that fourth down carry against the Seahawks, you looked at him, you're like, are we going to see Kenyon Drake again this season? And then it was, uh, you know, probably a few weeks. Day-to-day is a big difference from a few weeks. Day-to-day is like, okay, maybe he won't play against Miami. Big deal, although, side note, you know he wants to play against Miami because that's the team that drafted and generally misused him on the field. Um, But if you could get him back against Buffalo, that'd be huge. I know a lot of people... I know a lot of Cardinals fans would rather see Chase Edmonds getting the carries. And I'll listen to that argument, but I still want Kenyon Drake there. I'd rather have the two running backs than just Chase Edmonds and then sort of a logjam of inexperience behind him. Although, having gone to ASU, I wouldn't mind seeing what Eno Benjamin can do. Just maybe not in the middle of a, of a playoff race by necessity. It's a pleasant surprise given how Kenyon Drake looked after getting hurt. Yeah. Sobbing, and it, it looked like... From you know, from all you know, views that his season was probably over. Well, I mean, we've seen to go from that to like oh, he could miss a couple weeks, yeah, so, well, or might just or might play yeah. this week. I, I wouldn't expect him this week, but if you get him back for Buffalo or even what uh, Seattle's after Buffalo, I'll take him back for Seattle. I'm like you. I, I I'm I'm happy if Kenyon Drake can play because he's a big part of the offense. But I would still like to see it more Chase Edmonds. Yeah, they got to find a way to get him more involved, and I, and I think they will. I mean, they to a certain extent they have, I guess, in the passing game. But that's that's a weapon that I know when when he was when Chase Edmonds looked good last year. There was kind of the thought of, okay, but could he do it as like the lead back over 16 games? Well, you know, we're never going to know in, until you give him lead back responsibilities or at least at least make him even with uh, with Drake. So he'll get his chance. I mean, I think either way, Chase Edmonds is going to get his chance this weekend against Miami to, uh, to show what he can do as the lead guy. All right, that's our number one in the books. We'll come back with the Rundown Reload next. The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Arizona's sports station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Live from the Auction Community Studio, hour number two of the show. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher, Bear, behind the glass. It is the Rundown Reload to kick off hour number two. We'll start with the Cardinals, who... But we don't know that they'll be playing the Miami Dolphins without Devon Kennard and or Byron Murphy Jr., but uh, we know those are the two guys. It kind of reported yesterday that the Cardinals had uh, two players test positive for COVID on the roster. And those are two pretty big names, too. Uh, and they each confirmed today that they were uh, on Twitter, that they were the guys that uh, have tested positive. So they are on the reserve COVID list right now. The path to getting back, whether that's this week or the following week against the Bills or, you know, whenever, you have to quarantine, you have to have no symptoms for a little bit, then you test, and you need to produce two negative tests at least 24 hours apart. That's essentially the path back to being able to play, like I said, either against Miami or the Buffalo Bills. Nobody else has tested positive. This was Cliff Kingsbury uh, talking about 
those two, although he didn't use names. There was a couple positives, and luckily the contact tracing was limited, and yesterday's test results were all negative. Uh, and here's more from Kingsbury. Yeah, I've talked about it, you know, since uh, really July or training camp. Just it, it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when um, this would occur. And uh, it's, it's how teams handle it the best. Um, those teams are going to be at the top of this deal, and we understand that. And so um, as these things pop up, we have to be able to continue to move forward and, and next man up and all these things we, we've talked about throughout the season, and we continue to talk about it. So, guys, um, you know, I think have a good understanding of how we'll handle this, how we'll move forward, and we can't let it affect our mentality or how we approach the next week's game. When are they going to do the 30 for 30 on, on Cliff's coaching career where he goes from – Losing record at Texas Tech to offensive coordinator at USC to head coach at with the Arizona Cardinals to Patrick Peterson immediately testing positive to you know, you're drafting Kyler Murray you know you in year number two you're trying to just be a second year head coach with very little experience now you have to navigate COVID too like he has had one of the strangest paths to being a head coach in the NFL and, and now his first year and a half in the league I, I mean. I, a normal season for him is going to be weird. Yeah, he's not going to know what to do. Because right? his first one was it was a normal season, but it, he was a rookie head coach, like a, a coming true from college too. Yeah, and not... then his second year is all this COVID mess. So yeah. next year, if everything, God willing, is back to normal, oh, that'd be nice. He's going to be like, what, wait, wait, there's nothing weird I have to do. All I have to do is just all I have to do team. is coach the team. That's cool. And he started last year with Patrick Peterson suspended for six games. And that was that was. Not something That's he probably right. expected either. That's right. He came in here with Josh Rosen and Patrick Peterson. I remember trade demands swirling. And Josh is our guy yeah. right now. Oh. Isn't that what he said? He said that. You're he, right. But I think he said Josh is our guy right now. If I remember. Correctly. Oh, okay. He threw that right at now. this moment yeah. that I'm saying this. But if I if I remember, it was like, yeah, Josh is our guy. For how long? Right now. <laughs> he like leaned away from the microphone and right now he was in like he was like two rooms over when he said right now uh nfc west two teams lost this weekend one of them was going to win either seattle or san francisco so depending if you want if you want the cardinals if you feel like they can still win the division well you probably wanted san francisco to win in which case i'm sorry if you just want the cardinals to make the playoffs it's probably better that seattle won because that pushes the niners back and that is you know now they're beat up even more. So, But that was a contender for a playoff spot. The Rams losing to Miami, though, was a real nice gift from Tua and more so the Dolphins' defense and really even more specifically Jared Goff, if you watch that game. Now, if you're the Cardinals, you got to make sure that uh, Miami doesn't take that gift back this weekend and, and beat you if you're Arizona. you got to go out there and, and, and get the victory over the, uh, the Dolphins. But right now, the Cardinals, 5-2, and two, one game out of first in the NFC West. Up a half game on the Rams and up a game and a half on the 49ers. Still got San Francisco one more time, too, later in the year. And there's a good chance that'll be Nick Mullins throwing to some tight end that isn't George Kittle. Do they still have Ross Dwelly? Remember Ross Dwelly last year just torching what was a very different Cardinals defense? But uh, that's a beat-up team, and they're still going to be beat up later in the year. So that's now a game on the schedule that, for the Cardinals, you feel like you should win. ASU football kicks off this Saturday, and it is a big game. I, I know that there, <laughs> you might have a little bit of a hard time kind of waking up to Pac-12 football starting this weekend. But not only does it start, you got ASU taking on USC. ASU, it's not inconceivable, and it's a very short schedule. It's not inconceivable they could run the table 
and boy, that would make them six and zero if they were able to do that, and then they you would be in the Pac-12 championship. But your two biggest obstacles in the Pac-12 South and on that schedule are, I would guess, Utah, and certainly USC is is the biggest one, and so that's who they're going to play right out of the gate at USC. If you heard Chris Cartman on last hour, he said ASU is actually a little more prepared uh, for the this upcoming season than a lot of the other Pac-12 teams are just with their scheduling for spring practice and, and how things sort of broke down uh, during all the uh, the COVID stuff. But either way, you've got two teams stepping out on the field with two of the best sophomore quarterbacks in all of college football going at it Saturday morning from Southern California. That's that's going to be a, a fun game, a fun morning for Sun Devil fans and, uh, and USC fans and all the Pac-12 playing. It's, it's the next six weeks, every team plays every week, hopefully. NFL trade deadline is tomorrow, 2 o'clock Arizona time. Quan Alexander getting dealt from San Francisco to New Orleans today for Kiko Alonso and a fifth-round pick. A couple other minor moves. The Jets made a move. Um, yay. Black Friday started early <laughs> for, for the Jets this year. Yeah, it started like four months early for the Jets. Uh, and, and Adam Gase says they're not waving the white flag, Luke. He said that? That's what I saw on ESPN. If ever you were, I don't know what to, color the flag is yeah. in, in, in New York, but are you waving the flag that is the color of the opponents? I, I mean, I don't know what what more do you have to see from the Jets to realize, and maybe Adam Gase isn't our guy. Monday Night Football, it is Tampa Bay and the Giants. Giants up seven to three. I don't know if you're watching this in there, Cody, but when they have the ball, when the Giants have the ball, their plan is clearly to just bleed the entire clock. Like it is full play clock to figure out how to snap the ball and it's a run like they're they are they're already killing clock in the first half because yeah. they don't think they could score anymore they were killing clock in the first quarter of this game it's not an exaggeration so tampa bay has the ball right now and uh trying to get back into it down seven to three about six minutes left in the second quarter of that one it's the rundown with luke lipinski 98.7 fm arizona's sports station all day it's time for a game and that game is fill in the blank the way this works i have four incomplete sentences for cody cody has four incomplete sentences for me we have not rehearsed this you will uh, be well aware of that as you hear us try to execute it listen to the show none of it's rehearsed especially while i'm trying to watch to see if that was leonard fournette that made that catch it was and it was good. Oh, see now You're i'm good. all excited i'm gonna do this um all right you know what i'm gonna start and i'm gonna give you a fun question to begin okay not like the other ones are like the sats or anything but uh that's good because i didn't do very well on those <laughs> okay well i'm hungry so i'm gonna ask you this question <laughs> me too when ordering a calzone you put blank in it uh pepperoni and sausage Pepperoni and sauce. You gotta get both. I haven't tried that. I've done pepperoni, like olive, mushroom. Uh, it's always a pepperoni basis. I really haven't done pepperoni, mushroom, or in a, and sausage. In a mushroom calzone. would sound sounds good in there too. I I don't ever eat mushrooms except for when they're on like pizza. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nobody just sits around eating mushrooms. That's or on anything else. Yeah, yeah. You gotta have. See, now I'm even hungrier. That was a mistake. All right, go ahead. You fool. Uh, all right, I'll do a sports one. The NFL trade deadline is tomorrow afternoon. Yes. We've already seen the Cardinals make a move. They acquired Marcus Golden from the Giants uh, a couple weeks ago now. So, 
If the Cardinals make another move before the trade deadline, they will pick up a blank, oh, you, like a position. You just took my question. Uh-huh. Uh, now I have to come up with another question on the fly. While answering this question, that's why this is a dangerous game that we play here on the rundown. I'm going to say I think they'd like to acquire help in the secondary, but I think... Yeah, I'm going to say secondary. I was going to say pass rusher might be easier, but they've already gone out and gotten Marcus Golden. Poor guy. He leaves the Giants, and now they look unbeatable. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say if they do make another trade, it'll be for somebody in the secondary. I, I, yeah, I was thinking like cornerback or something like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, while I try and come up with a another question, how about this one? I'll have to use in honor of Ben DiNucci and all the magnificent throws he made to the ground last night. Blank is the worst NFL quarterback you've ever seen. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the worst NFL quarterback I've ever There's seen. There's been a lot of candidates here. Like really. seen live or just watched in general? Um, I, Ma- Max Hall was pretty bad. Max Hall was. He had that one win against the Saints. Oh, I know. I was in a survivor pool, and I had the Saints that <laughs> week, and I was going to like win. Um, and I was at the game sitting there man. like, how is Max Hall winning this game? That's really difficult. Um, I mean, there's a lot. There's, I a figured lot you would of have one. Cardinals, like, that, yeah. <laughs> John Skelton. Uh, Skelton Kevin was such Cobb. a good guy too. Yeah. Lineat, <laughs> Derek Anderson. Oh, uh, do you remember the Derek Anderson uh, laughing on the side? Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll ne- never forget that. Uh, that was I'll always just remember Derek Anderson trying to throw a screen pass, and it ended up in the second row because he was that inaccurate. Yeah, he was. He was, he was not great. I'll say Max Hall. He was not very good. Max Hall was... Ryan Lindley was terrible, too. Yeah. Okay. All right. What about you? What, what about you? What about you? I want to know. Was it a Cardinal? Uh, Danucci's right there, honestly. Yeah, he was bad, he, man. He, doesn't, he, looks like, he looks like they never thought they'd get to their third-string quarterback. Right. Max Hall was, was... Yeah, Max Hall, he didn't seem like he was supposed to be an NFL quarterback. Um... Yeah, off the top of my head, it's probably Max Hall. I feel bad saying that. That's okay. All right, MLB free agency officially started yesterday. I don't know if you knew that while watching football. I certainly didn't. Uh, <laughs> now, it, it is unlikely that the Diamondbacks will spend big this offseason, but let's hypothetically say that they will. They'll Let's say they'll spend a little bit big, you know? Okay. Every time we don't think they're going to, they do. So your bold prediction of who the D-backs will sign is blank. Oh, I don't think they're going to spend big, but I do. I'm trying to, like, what do they look at this past season? It, it was so difficult to evaluate because it was such a short season, and they were so uncharacteristically bad. Like, they shouldn't have been that bad. I would think if they're going to go out there and spend, it's probably going to be on a bat. Well, I'm not in baseball mode at all. I'm always um, in baseball mode. That's true. Well, give me, give me. Do you have a name in mind? I do have a name in mind. Really, and it's a very bold prediction, and okay. I think it would make sense if they decide to spend some money. Okay, George Springer. <laughs> they need a center fielder. They, yeah, I don't want to see. Kat- I don't want to see Cattell Marte back at, out in center field. He's probably going to cost a little bit of money, but yeah. he would make a lot of sense for the Diamondbacks. That's yeah. my bold prediction. That, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, yeah, I don't think we've heard from pretty much everyone who has 
any power in that organization say that they're not going to spend a lot of money this year. But you never know. Sometimes if the fit's right, you got to do it. Yeah, I mean, that- I don't like I don't I don't like George Springer because you know <laughs> he was oh, a, yeah. he's an Astro, yeah, he but. Is. Um, I think he I think he is an actual good player and he would make sense. I was trying I wasn't even thinking of a specific name. I was just trying to think like where do they need a bat in the field? And yes, center field would be a pretty good answer. I mean, I want to say like oh they would do something for starting pitching, but they're not going to. Their starting rotation is pretty much what it is <laughs> for better or for worse with Madison Bumgarner. Um okay. Just had Chris Cartman on last hour talking ASU. Blank will win the Pac-12 this season. Oregon. That's what I figured you'd say. I want to say ASU, but Oregon's really well, good. You know, honestly, I almost I almost said take ASU out of the equation just so you could give like an unbiased. But then people were like, well, you're saying ASU is going to win the Pac-12. I don't know why I think all the angry listeners sound like, <laughs> yeah, like British royalty from the well. early 1700s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's, you know what, if it's not ASU... I might go USC. Oh, okay. Which makes this Saturday morning's game <laughs> right. determine everything. Right. Okay. Okay. So we saw Tua Tungavailoa get his first win this weekend, and now we're seeing basically all the top quarterbacks from last year's draft now starting in the NFL. So the quarterback that will have the best career out of Tua, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert is blank. Okay, so Tua's on the best team. You can't say Jordan Love. <laughs> Tua's on the best team, so he's he's in that position to really kind of step and, in. And best career can be however you want yeah. it to sound. He could end up being the you know the third best quarterback, but good enough, and he's on a good team and winning a lot. I think Joe Burrow will be the best of uh, Joe Burrow's already really good, so I'm going to say Joe Burrow. But there is something to the quarterback that's like. They're good, but they end up in the right situation and they just roll with it. And, you know, we're going to take a much deeper look at Miami over the course of this week and certainly on Sunday. I, I kind of like what Miami's building. Brian Flores, too. It's funny, like all the other assistant coaches of Bill Belichick got all this hype. I didn't really feel like Flores got that much and he might be the best of all. Like he didn't get nearly as much hype as Matt Patricia. And Flores is actually a good coach. I don't really know what Patricia does. So, um,. I'm going to say Burrow, though. I think Burrow's... I think he's the best of those four. I think so, too. Um, okay. Blank is your ideal Super Bowl matchup. And, and take the Cardinals out of this for a second, because obviously... So just, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Who do you want to see this year if it's not going to be the Cardinals? I think Chiefs-Seahawks would be really fun. It would be. Uh, all of the offense, please. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, there would be no defense on Seattle's side. Uh, Mahomes would have 19 touchdowns in that game. Hmm. I yeah, kind of want to see I'd, Chiefs Packers. That would be good too. I'd like to see Aaron Rodgers in one more Super Bowl before he's done. Maybe they'll get him a receiver. At yeah, some maybe point. they'll trade Drafting for one by tomorrow. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. All right, my last one. We're, I know we're going to talk fantasy football here coming up next, but we're halfway through the season now, just about. Yes. Who has been the the or, I had a, it's not a question, it's a sentence. Oh, okay. The most frustrating player in fantasy football this year is blank. Are you saying for just in general or for me specifically? It, whatever you want. Uh, for me specifically, it's Christian McCaffrey because he hasn't <laughs> played. Um, um, I'll, I'll say one. I don't even have him on a team. Michael Thomas. Yeah. There's something weird going on there. 
he gets hurt, then he punches a teammate and gets hurt again in a different on a different body part. Yeah, something weird. And, and I mean, that guy was unstoppable last year, and now something it just feels like something's up. Like it feels like Michael Thomas. It's fifty fifty if he'll be on the Saints a year from now. I don't know why I feel that way, but I do feel that way, and it <laughs> wouldn't have thought that at all seven or eight weeks ago. All right, when we come back, final segment of the show. And you heard Bear say it right there. We're going to talk fantasy football. We are going to collectively, the two of us, build the ideal fantasy lineup midway through this season. That is next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's the Rundown. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Final segment of the show. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher. Fair. Producing the show. It's time for a little fantasy football. Trying to work this in throughout the course of the season. And since we are wrapping up week eight. Wow, the first eight weeks have flown by. It's essentially the halfway point of the season. It's definitely the halfway point of your fantasy season. You should not be playing in week 17. Please, don't do that to yourself. So we are going to build what the ultimate... It's basically like... It's like the Pac-12, all that stuff's coming out. You have the Pac-12 all-conference teams. You have all-American teams around the uh, the country. This is going to be your all-fantasy team through the first eight weeks of the season. And I'm guessing the way things are going, probably next week, we're going to do our, our hate team of just all the players that we hate at each position based on fantasy football. Yeah, let's else. do that. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> I've never seen you light up so much. Those like, are yes. fun. Uh, but for tonight, we're going to be positive, and uh, we are going to just go through, and we haven't built this yet. We're going to do it on the air. I think it'll make for better discussion, which is ultimately the point here. Let us start, Mr. Fincher, at quarterback. All right. And I have their points. I Right now, I have them sorted by points per game. Cool. Um, okay. Quarterback? It's Kyler. Right. You think it's Kyler? It's Kyler. He is number two in fantasy scoring this year, points per game at quarterback, ahead of Mahomes, ahead of Dak, ahead of Justin Herbert, by the way, who's fourth. Mahomes is actually fifth, and he's been really good. Dak, Dak, by the way, Dak is still third in in average. Yeah, I don't, he's probably going to finish third yeah. in average. Um, 27.13. Kyler or Russell Wilson, huh? Wilson's leading the way in points. Yeah, I would say Kyler. I think I would, too. That The running threat. I love having a quarterback that you pretty much know you're starting with five points every week, right? Like, Kyler's mm-hmm. going to run for 50 yards almost every week. So yeah. you're starting at five. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we started off with the Cardinal. Nobody will call us homers What do you, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? It's either Kyler or, or Russ. Okay. I mean, <laughs> Mahomes is right there, too. It's, all right. It, quarterback's pretty pretty loaded this year. But if we're just going by, like, if you're telling me we're drafting a team today for the rest of the season, I'm taking Mahomes. Okay. Uh, but, gotcha. Yeah, I, I wouldn't Russ, blame you there. I don't think you could. He had five touchdowns <laughs> yesterday against the Jets. All right, this is where it's going to get a little more complicated. Running back. We're going we're gonna to put two running backs on the team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think one of them is pretty clear. It's got to be Alvin Kamara. Yep. yep. Okay, so we're going to put Alvin Kamara in there. So yep. We're only starting players whose last names start with K, apparently. <laughs> well, I guess Kyler's first name starts with K. Um, what do you have for your number two running back? I have Derrick Henry. Interesting. Okay. I mean, he is uh, right now. I mean, um, Kamara has 195 total points. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's mostly because he catches the ball all the time. And, I mean, you could go Dalvin Cook as well. Um, the injuries worry me a little bit sometimes with Dalvin Cook. But The other thing with Dalvin Cook, and he's very good. If you're going points per game, he's fourth among running backs. Mm-hmm. 
but he had 50 points yesterday. So yeah. where was he on this list before yesterday? I, to me, I think it's either, it's Kamara for sure, and then it's either Derrick Henry or Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, when he yeah, plays, Jones. he scores every Just, single to week. To me, though, like Derrick Henry is by far the best player on his team. So that goes a long way for me. I, hold on. I just realized the what? league I'm in with Jarrett what? Carlin here. He, he has, has both those guys. No, he has Kyler, Kamara, and Henry, and he's in are second. You just, are we just reading off of Jarrett's And he's team? in second to last place. What? Yeah. <laughs> How? Yeah. Well, he traded for Kamara. Oh, and Henry, but it, it's too okay. late. All right. Uh, but yeah, you know what? I'll go, I'll go with Henry, too. Just be, A, Jones is hurt. Mm-hmm. B, I mean, we're talking about the best of the best. Green Bay's offense doesn't run through Aaron Jones. It runs through Aaron Rodgers. Tennessee's offense runs through Derrick Henry, uh, and it certainly should. So, okay, we're going to go. And we have room for a flex later on. All right, two wide receivers. I think Devontae Adams, um, he benefits from the fact that Green Bay decided Aaron Rodgers can only have one receiver to throw to. Yeah, you only get one. At least it's Devontae (laughs) Adams. At least it's as good as him. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's been really good. I mean, he's not... Really, honestly, he's not that far up the like just official rankings, but I mean, he he missed a couple games. I yeah, think. that's he, why he has he he scored one hundred and thirty five point two total points. He averages twenty seven well points per game. Here, here are if so, okay. The Packers have played seven games this year. All right, I'm assuming everybody has a good frame of reference for what like a, a good game for a fantasy receiver mm-hmm. is. He's missed two of the games, so throw them out. Week one, he had 46.5 points. Two weeks ago, he had 49.5 points. And last week, just yesterday, he had 30 points. That's absurd. <laughs> so it's him for sure. Who do you have as your number two? I'm going to go with another Cardinal, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. You have to. I mean, he led the NFL in, in receptions, targets, and yards going yep. into this past week. And obviously, didn't play. So yeah. I'm going to go Hopkins there. All right, tight end. It Kelsey. has to be Travis Kelsey, we right? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Travis Kelsey. The, the for closest sure. one would have been Kittle, but Kittle he's hurt. But. I mean, and on a, any other year, Zach Ertz is usually up there as well. But yeah, this, the injuries for Philadelphia just, are just ridiculous, and he's hurt now. Yeah, uh, flex is interesting. Okay, so we can either go wide receiver or running back. Here. I went with the running back James Robinson from Jacksonville. You love James Robinson. I do. He's great. <laughs> he, he, you're not even hiding it. It, it sucked. He was on bye this week. <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, James he, Robinson is the only reason people missed Jacksonville. Yeah, he's he's averaging nineteen about around nineteen points per game, at least in the league I'm looking at in my league where I have him. Uh, he scored 133.6 points uh, total. So to me, he's he's and he's ranked in ESPN as the second best running back. I'll go. Here are some of the other candidates I was going to throw okay. out there. DK Metcalf. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Well, yeah. Um, that's that's a good one. Calvin Ridley, but he can't stay on the field. And he is placed for the Falcons. It's true. And A.J. Brown. The only reason I wouldn't go A.J. Brown is because we already have Derrick Henry. I don't want a running back and a receiver right, on the right. same fantasy team. A.J. Brown is an in- intriguing player because... He'll have about he'll have like no catches going into the third, and all of a sudden he'll have two for ninety eight yards and a touchdown. Yeah, so he's got that big play threat. It's it's kind of all or nothing with him. Yeah. So okay, for the flex, I'll let you go with Robinson. I'll go with DK. Okay. The defense. The defense is um, the Colts right now are the best fantasy defense. 
in the NFL. I think honestly, I kind of like Tampa Bay a little more, but they freaking. Just give I think up 14 they points do, to I the think Giants. They, I think they just got an interception. Let's go based on talking. on this exact replay. Yep, I'm watching. They did. Okay, yeah, Tampa Bay's in the coverage. <laughs> I, I still think you got to go Baltimore. That defense. Baltimore, is just yeah, Baltimore's really good. Steelers, Steelers are also really great. Steelers, if they weren't, I mean, I don't know what the word is on uh, Hayward yesterday, but not having Devin Bush, too, although mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to hurt them. But um, I'm going to go Baltimore. But yeah, certainly. If you're playing fantasy football, which I would assume you are, since you it's 2020 and you're here, I would I would think that if if somehow Tampa Bay's out there on you need to pick them up. I mean, they should have been gone a couple weeks ago, but uh yeah, there's been some good fantasy defenses. It's unlikely they are rostered in 93.8% of of leagues. I'm surprised it's actually less than 99. Yeah. Um, did you have a kicker? I, I did, did not have a kicker. I did. Justin Tucker, because oh, he's, yeah. he's automatic. <laughs> it's always Justin He's Tucker. not, I don't believe he's ranked as the top kicker this year, but he's just so reliable and, and so dependable. And with me in this league that I do have him in, I, I have Lamar Jackson. So whenever Lamar can't oh, get them a touchdown, it usually ends in a Justin Tucker field or goal. Or even so. when he does get touchdown, you get the extra point. That's true. Uh, real quick, I know we had referenced this earlier, how upset Aaron Rodgers should be. Not that they <laughs> took his backup and his, his heir apparent at quarterback, but that they refused to give him any other weapons other than Devontae Adams in the receiving game. And I know you can name other Packers receivers, but that's just because Aaron Rodgers throws them the ball and occasionally they catch them. Some of these guys that went after they took Jordan Love this year, who were, I know you said LaVisca Chenault. I mean, can you imagine Chenault on the Packers? Can you imagine he has Devontae Adams downfield and he has Chenault to do Chenault things? Um, they missed Ayuk by one pick. I don't think they would have. Maybe they would have, actually. Um, but it, it is. I would look, if Green Bay had one more receiver that they could throw to, I would look at them as the team to come T. out Higgins, of the NFC. T. Higgins as well was yeah. available when they picked I mean, even Michael Love. Pittman, I know he hasn't done anything yet, really, with for the Colts, but in, we are not even going back to the year before where they could have had a ton of guys, uh, and they went with the safety. All right, it's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be right back at it tomorrow. I'm Luke Lipinski. It's the Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.